Welcome to the Nine Moms Podcast. My name is Phineas and this is my mama's podcast and, and here she is. Today I have a special treat for you guys. I am interviewing both parents for today's birth story. So we will hear from both Marissa and Kez today and they'll be sharing the birth of their little boy Aldo that took place here in Prague earlier this year. Now Marissa and Kez are from the UK and they live in Prague and work in Warsaw in Poland so they'll be going back and forth uh, a lot during the pregnancy so they'll be talking us through how that was going in and out of the country while going through pregnancy and um, also while COVID-19 was was rampant in the world. Um, They will also be talking us through having or experiencing a miscarriage before they conceived Aldo. So here is also a little trigger warning. If you don't feel like you're in a good place to hear a story about loss, then maybe this is an episode that you come back to on a later occasion. All right, you guys, here is Marissa and Kaz. Hi, everyone, and uh, welcome to the Nine Months Podcast. I'm sitting here actually with a with a situation that I haven't sat in before with with both parents who are going to tell their birth story today. So uh, warmly welcome Marissa and Kaz. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, do you guys want to start by introducing yourselves and what you guys do and maybe your little one as well? Yep. Uh, so I'm Marissa. Um, I'm here with Kez and we have baby Aldo. Um, I am... Um, um, I, I work in finance for Lego and I um, was living in the Czech Republic um, during this whole birth story. Hi, I'm Kez. Um, uh, I have a job that means I have to travel between Prague and Warsaw, which will become relevant later in, in the story. And as uh, Marissa mentioned, uh, now we live in Warsaw. Great. Super. Yes. Yeah, so we met in the Czech Republic and um did some yoga together there so that's how we know each other (laughs) great so do you guys want to start with your journey to becoming pregnant did you plan to have a baby and and how did all that look for you guys yep uh we did it was very much planned so uh towards the end of 2019 we got married um and then we went on honeymoon to somewhere which had zika virus so we were sort of planning out timing how long we had to wait afterwards um and we were actually very very lucky that pretty much the first month or second month that we were trying to have a a baby we conceived so um that was sort of early 2020 around that time was the the lockdown started and it was around the time that kez's work travel really accelerated and he basically needed to be in warsaw almost every week then um yeah, so, so it was it was a lockdown was like a really really happy time for us because um, as hard as it was you know for the world and you know for us it was like an extended honeymoon almost because it was just the two of us we had this lovely city that we were living in and we just got to spend a lot of time with each other doing stuff like you know cooking and taking our exercise together sometimes separately when I would go running up Petron Hill or try to run up Petron Hill. So it was a really happy time and obviously yeah, we, we, we conceived during that time as well 
but then after a while, because I had to travel to Warsaw for work, I just realized that sooner or later I'd have to do it. And so I started around, um, well, we were, I must have been pregnant. Just about. Yeah, uh, so six weeks after we got pregnant or so, after the first scan, basically, I started driving back and forward to Warsaw during the procedure. Yeah, because originally we, we always intended to sort of live apart for a while, but that was when the flights were you know, one hour, 15. So in three hours, we could do it door to door. But when COVID hit, all of a sudden, it was a six and a half, seven hour drive to see each other at weekends. Um, so, yeah. It was hard. And it was like an abrupt end to a, to a really nice period. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so we did. So, yeah, we were commuting across um, for scans. Um, and then at the good thing is because of the lockdown we could keep it we wanted to keep it private um for the first trimester um and we did and then in about week nine or ten we went for a scan so Kes was coming back for the scans and our doctor um was a little bit concerned because he said the baby was running small now i'm a 154 centimeter person so he wasn't hugely concerned and you know when i spoke to my sister she's like oh don't worry all my babies were small um, but then um, Kez went back to Warsaw. It was like a, I think it was like a Thursday. You went back to Warsaw or something, and he and the doctor was like, right, before we have all the first trimester screenings, I'd like you to come in again. Um, so we were debating, you know, should Kez come back again just for that scan? It was going to be like uh, two days later. Two days later, yeah. And then the next day, I started spotting quite severely. So um, I was very fortunate that I had a, a good friend that you know, actually wasn't working that day and we just booked to go in to see the doctor again the following day and he did some scanning more and he sent me straight to um, uh, the big maternity hospital in Prague to get uh, a professor to scan me immediately um, and at that point they basically diagnosed that the um, baby, so we didn't even have the second scan to check for size because by then they realised that the baby had um, trisomy 13 uh, which is for those who don't know, it's quite a severe genetic disorder that um, basically most babies don't make term, and if they do, they you know they they don't survive long after birth. Right. Um, so um, it was really interesting because we're from the UK, um, and I think there's more like doctor bedside manner around how they talk to people. But this particular professor was very matter of fact in terms of you know let's book you in next week. So. That was very shocking. Uh, alongside, at this point, Kez is doing the six and a half hour drive in five hours, basically, trying to get back from Warsaw. Um, so it was a pretty, uh, yeah, pretty yeah. horrific time. It was hard because, um, you know, I'd left and we didn't have any any massive concerns. And we were kind of, you know, I spent a lot of time reading things. And so I'd read that there is a whole range of, of things that could happen. When, you, when you're pregnant and so and our, our, our doctor the obstetrician was was really fantastic a really really nice guy and so he, he kind of reassured us and that's why we made the decision that I'd go back to Warsaw and so when this happened even when the spotting started I remember speaking to Marissa and saying look you know it's just one of those things and 99% of the time it would have just been one of those things mm -hmm. um, but then all of a sudden four hours later I got the phone call from Marissa saying that that you know that the, the, the baby had this trisomy 13 and, and what was very graphic is that, that he'd showed Marissa the scan and showing that there was just nothing where the brain was supposed to be yeah. um, so so that he was like right that's it it's not it's not going to work um, but by this point we'd like heard the heartbeat you know um, and, yeah. and so you know and we'd obviously 
got to the point where we're about to tell people it was now week 11 or, or, or week 12 i think yeah yeah that must have been super hard for you guys i i'm wondering about what this doctor meant when he said let's book you in for next week was he talking about a termination or yes exactly yeah exactly so this guy um i think you know medically he he was very thinking very medically um uh, so yeah, so he was basically we'll book you in with the genetic doctor and then book you in for termination immediately, which we didn't really know what to do. I think we thought we should, but then it's still really really hard. But in fact, what actually happened is I continued to bleed quite heavily. So they booked. So it was a Friday where he diagnosed and he said come back on Monday. And it actually, even more so, they said, the genetic doctor doesn't speak any English, so you need to find a translator as well. So we were like, right, our basic check, ordering a beer or a coffee really isn't going to cut it <laughs> for yeah. Monday. Um, and, but actually, over the weekend, I, I did bleed quite badly. And so when I, we went in Monday, thankfully, uh, my Czech teacher um, came with us um, so it must have looked like a very interesting combination turning up where in, into the hospital where people normally have their regular scans. So we saw the doctor, um, genetic doctor, she sort of checked everything, ran through everything. And then they said, actually, let's just scan you if you're bleeding still. And when they um, carried out an ultrasound, actually, the baby, we, we had lost the baby somehow over the weekend anyway. So, so, so in some respects, it was, you know, obviously very heartbreaking, but we lost the baby and we understood exactly why because a lot of times I think you know with some of these trisomy cases you lose the baby and you never know why so I think really that helped us to process it in fact that we knew it was a complete sort of bad luck it's, it's nothing that can necessarily will happen again it's nothing that we could have done um, so I think somehow it, it the fact that the doctor diagnosed it really it like almost you know a, a few days perfectly timed if I could say that in a weird way it yeah. helped us to um you know help to understand what was going on um so basically they did a that day they did a dnc and then um we stayed in i stayed in overnight um and then yeah and then basically went through the recovery period from that yeah did you get any support from the hospital in terms of um any um mental support or a therapist or someone to talk to maybe or was that was that out of the question here it, it was never it was never really um uh no we didn't i i, I think that you know we, we don't speak czech and and that's that's our fault for living in the czech republic i guess um so it was never really an option i, I think you know the, the czech system is quite matter of fact and to be honest in, in the middle of it all that was definitely a good thing right everything was very clear what was going to happen was clear the medicine was clear and we we really appreciated that i think that um that being said like and actually the, the nurses were, were were very nice to marissa i think i you know i'm i'm from i'm asian and, and marissa's not so as a mixed race couple i think we probably stood out a little bit in the hospital and so there was like i, I always say to marissa that there was this point where she was kind of wheeled off for the procedure and and I was just kind of left in the room and I didn't really know what to do next. And and obviously there was no one there to tell me. And so so afterwards, you know, once it was done, we were kind of discharged the next day. And um and then it was, yeah, we were just it was just kind of the two of us on our own. And obviously we couldn't we couldn't get any family out. It was still COVID, lockdown, 
couldn't really get visitors either. So it was just sort of the two of us again. Um, yeah. Which was probably, which was hard, but in some respects also was, was good for us because it meant that it was just the two of us to, you know, kind of recover, you know, we could help each other, you know, I obviously stayed in, in, in Prague for like the next few weeks and then, and then Marissa came back to Warsaw with me. Um, and so we got, we got to spend that time together and, and I think that was probably important. Yeah. Yes, of course. Maybe maybe COVID was a blessing then. Lockdown was a blessing then to spend time together. I think it yeah. really was. Yeah. 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 So so how was that recovery journey and and deciding to try again, or did you guys decide to try again? How did that look for you guys? Yeah, we we did. So so we're both quite scientific in the fact that because we really understood what happened. And because we knew we wanted a baby and, you know, things happened for a reason as well. We were actually mentally quite soon ready to um, try again, basically. Um, and again, this is really like hardship. Again, being very lucky. Basically, um, I ovulated two weeks after the miscarriage. And then basically we conceived the following ovulation again. And funnily enough, we were living in different countries at the time and we were on holiday. We had like planning the one week each month. So we were, we were actually on holiday and, uh, uh, and yeah, so, so basically that worked out somehow. So the one thing so I would say about after the miscarriage and the time afterwards, um, like it, there was a period of time, wasn't there, where I, I guess you went, Marissa went through like all of the usual, usual, I don't know if that's the right way, the, the postnatal. Yeah. And it was it was very it was very difficult, and I remember now now I laugh about it, but I remember trying to to help Marissa kind of get back to being like the high functioning like powerhouse of our relationship, and, mm. and we, we were at the time we were trying to get back a load of money from flights for COVID, and I, and I thought it would be a really good thing for Marissa to do and feel like she'd achieved because you know for the first few days it was a struggle to get out of bed, uh, and you know I was just doing what I could to kind of keep your spirits up. And the thing is, I massively misjudged that that would be a spirit lifter. <laughs> and actually, obviously, when you're dealing with whatever airline it was we were dealing with and going through all their opacity, like it actually ended up, you know, having the opposite effect, I think, that I intended. Um, but yeah, but look, you know, the, I think the, the thing that I recall from that period was that, that it, it always ends, right? Like, however bad it feels at the time, it gets better. Like, we, we get better. And so it was like, it was a bleak couple of weeks, I'd say. Yeah. And then, and then just like that, like it just felt a bit better day by day. And I think, as you say, when you started ovulating the first time and you had those sticks, um, then that was, that was actually a really big, big morale boost, actually. Just to say, okay, right, like, you know, yeah. life moves on and, and, and that was good. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a nice way to put it, Kath. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, you do move on but you never forget like I remember on our on the due date we sort of lit a candle for them and yeah. these sorts yeah. of things but um but yeah so we were and then and then we were very very lucky to to sort of conceive with Aldo shortly yeah. after and how um, did you guys find out that you were pregnant with Aldo um Marissa was adamant that she wasn't I do yeah. you might have to edit this out Marissa was adamant that she was not pregnant because her breasts didn't feel pregnant and I keep saying that that's not a scientific way to tell and then and then we just did an at-home pregnancy test and it turned out she was pregnant so ever since then I robustly mock Marissa I'll be like how do you feel and she'll say something I'll say how do your breasts feel um, uh, yeah 
So but we did not home pregnancy test. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so how was the pregnancy then with Aldo? How was it going through the the trimesters? <laughs> so the first one, I think after everything that happened, we were still a bit nervous. Um Hmm. And then in about weeks five or six, we were due to, or about week seven, we were due to go back to the UK. And we hadn't been back to the UK since the previous, since before COVID, basically. And we wanted to see family and friends. Um, but then a week before that, so week five or six, I started spotting again. And it wasn't major. And it was probably fairly normal to, for many people, you know, um, during implantation but we were obviously a bit worried. So were you in Warsaw at the time? Yep. He <laughs> so he traveled back for it and we had the same doctor again, who was excellent. And he basically showed us the heartbeat and said, no problem. It, everything looks fine. It's probably just implantation. And then he put me on progesterone for two weeks, which made me say, feel sick as a dog, but otherwise fine. Um, so we got through that. Um. There was this great line. So it was the same doctor as last time. And like I said, we, we, we really, really liked him. I, I think to a certain extent, he, he made the pregnancy for us because um, he was just always so reassuring. And, mm. and there was this line where, you know, Marissa had been adamant. And now I say this without mocking, you know, with the spotting that it, it was all going wrong again. And, and I thought it was too. Like we both, we both feared the worst. And he did the scan and he was so, so reassuring and so calm and so supportive. But there was this line where Marissa said, something like, you know, is it okay for me to travel? And he just looked at her and said, of course it is. You're not dying. And mm. I, I always remember that because like for, for the rest of the pregnancy, like we were always like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be okay. And, yeah. you know, and, and he was, he was a really good guy. And what was really nice is he was so excited to see us after, because he'd obviously gone through the whole miscarriage with us. He was like, wow, ready and really supportive. So that was really nice. Um, and then first, first trimester, I was much sicker in my, the second pregnancy than the first, which you know, probably means something, um, but not horrendous. Um, and then we managed to get back to the UK at Christmas, actually. Um, so my due date was April, uh, and it was really nice to see everybody. And yeah, so far so good. And second trimester was really quite fine. Um, and then as we went into third trimester, um, there was a. I had a really really bad heartburn. And and again, this doctor was quite funny. He was scanning, saying, "Wow, there's so much hair on this baby. You know, there's no. It's not a surprise <laughs> that you've got so much heartburn." <laughs> so is that uh, true then? <laughs> well, do you know? What? I thought it was an old wives' tale. But when the doctor actively said, "I can see lots of hair. That must be why you have heartburn." I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's hormonal. I don't know. There's no, apparently, there's no proof about it. But yeah, he was like, maybe it's hormonal. But yeah, the, the fact is, Aldo has loads of hair, was born with loads of hair, and Marissa yeah. had heartburn non-stop for about 14 weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I love, and I love my food, and it was so upsetting not being able to eat all the things I love, just having bland stuff and litres and litres of milk, um, which, was, which is fine, because the milk in Prague is very nice, so it was fine. Yeah. There was this one time where Marissa caught me secretly eating blue cheese while on a Skype call with my mother, and she was really annoyed at me because I was eating blue cheese and she couldn't eat it because it would give us such bad heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to do what you got to do, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they started, the doctor started seeing the baby was growing quite fast. Um, 
and becoming quite big. So the baby was around 65, 70th percentile. And I'm probably, like I said earlier, like a fifth, 10th percentile human. <laughs> so um, I think in the Czech Republic, they're quite conservative when it comes to um, births and any risks in birth. So, for example, in the UK, you, you know, you totally go on the natural route here, but they were, you know, really heavily advising us to go for cesarean, elective cesarean, due to size, basically. I think it also, if I'm honest, like it, it also appealed to us because it felt at the time like a cesarean was like, I don't know, scientific and it was quantifiable. And after everything that had happened, and we knew it would just be the two of us, no family. We didn't even know if we'd be able to see friends because of COVID. It felt like something we could plan for beforehand. And, and you know, the immediate postnatal stuff, although we knew it would be hard, we knew what would happen roughly. And, you know, we've both had a lot of children in our lives. Um, so we've had a lot of, uh, you know, kind of practice at, at, at looking after or, or not looking after, as the case may be, like, you know, babies. So, so the nice thing about cesarean was that the doctors were sort of advising it and and it was quantifiable and, and knowable for us which was which was important but but took us a while to get there yeah it, it took us a while yeah, yeah. so so in february we decided to do some like a, a course english sort of prenatal course um with um a doula and at the time it was at you know covid was rife in the czech republic at the time and the doula was sharing experiences of others who were in hospital at the time giving birth and you know partners couldn't be there um you know there was even a statistics being shared with me that 40 percent of people in the wards afterwards the women in the wards are getting covid from the wards um and all these horror stories and there was actually a two-week period where i was very i'm generally quite calm when i know what i you know what's going on but i was actually quite anxious trying to figure out what to do um there are also horror stories about cesareans right so on one hand cesarean you know, quantifiable limited time in a ward, or or actually more likely in a in a room, uh, and then and then leave hospital, or or natural childbirth, um, which is not as bad as cesarean in some respects, but from a COVID perspective, seemed more complicated, and it, it was yeah, it was quite a stressful time. Mm. Yeah, I can't even begin to imagine. Actually, I know we talked about that, Marissa, a little bit too during that time. Yeah how everything changed from week to week and what was allowed and what wasn't allowed and everything like that. So I can't even begin to imagine how it must have felt like to, to try to plan something within that time space. Exactly. And as much as, you know, during the miscarriage, the hospital and the, the staff and the, the, the carers were fantastic, their English wasn't great. It really wasn't great. So my biggest fear was being, you know, after giving birth, Kez being sent home, and me being four days in a you know a room or a ward with staff who couldn't communicate with me, couldn't help me, couldn't support me, or even not having anyone to bounce things off with managing the baby. And I was actually you know really scared about that. I was really scared because, and I know that in the gynecological department the level of English is different to the maternity department, but I was still sort of a little bit horrified by the, the communication from before. So. Yeah, so I think what, what helped us is when when we later found out with the elective cesarean, um, there was a much higher chance that we could get a room that Kez could stay with us, that will stay together with me and the baby for those few days, locked in the room, not allowed to leave because of COVID. We, you know, that was a big game changer as well, because we have no, you know, we had no family at all with us there. 
Um, right. So yes, and that, and that works out really nicely actually in the end. Yeah. So when did you guys, or how far along were you when you when you guys decided that this is what we're going to do, and you booked the date and all these things? When did that happen? I think we'd probably come to the conclusion by February. Uh, no, mid March. Mid March was it? That they, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I think that actually that's a good point. For about two months, we were saying it's probably going to be a cesarean, but we just hadn't accepted it. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. It was like concrete date booked in mid-March. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so how did that feel then when you booked it in? You were all like, okay, this is great. And, and, and how was that last little bit of pregnancy preparing for that? It was the funny story, actually. <laughs> So I don't know where, so people listening to this podcast are probably from all over the world, but in pregnancy weeks and in counting of weeks, and you might have experienced this, Lisa, in the UK, the UK count differently to other places. And I think, so when, I'm probably going to get this wrong now, when you're, when you say you're 38 weeks pregnant, you're in the UK, you're 38 plus two or 38 plus five. And in other countries, yeah. they call that, so in the Czech Republic, they call that 39 weeks, so your 39th week, which actually makes a lot more sense. So at some point, we were told the cesarean will probably happen in the week 39. And in my head, that was 39 plus something. In reality, it's 38 plus something. So there was a time where I nearly was going to be working up until basically the week before the birth. <laughs> so basically, we, we realised about four weeks out that the baby was coming a week before we realised just because of that difference in um, in calculating weeks. Yeah, so we were like, oh, wow. And so we had to adjust things. But actually, the, the last weeks leading up to it, you know, I think somehow, again, COVID was a slight blessing because I wasn't commuting. I wasn't rushing around with a laptop. You know, I was at home. Um, I work for an organization that is incredible with leaders that are incredible that I would actually, you know, openly chat to my boss and say, look, I'm probably just going to have a nap each afternoon. Is that obviously, you know, because there's no point hiding it. So I'd nip on the sofa for 30 minutes and then carry on working after. So I actually felt I was able to have a very calm last month, you know, being locked in. One thing that was tough, though, is my last trimester, we decided that I wouldn't come to Warsaw at all. And there were no flights. So almost every week, Kez was driving back. And basically, because the COVID situation was so bad, I would say from mid-January until Kez came at the end of March, I was on my own, day and night, basically. I know we had some of our Zoom yoga classes. And uh, um, yeah. and obviously, I was interacting with colleagues online all day with videos. But th there were probably only two families in Prague who I would see on a one day on a weekend alternate between the two families um and so that was actually pretty tough mentally um that I was kind of in isolation for two and a half months yeah of course um and then towards the end before so Kez came around three weeks before due dates properly two weeks before the c-section maybe three weeks before the c-section so the weeks before that I was just sort of fingers crossed that I wasn't coming early um because then I would really you know I obviously have friends in Prague but I wouldn't have had cares or any family um, but fortunately they all worked out so there was some ups and downs but it actually was okay in the end so should we go ahead and jump into the birth itself then sure so we were 
okay so we were booked in for a tuesday morning um and they said come on monday and weirdly they said you can stay monday night which we thought was a little bit odd but anyway so we went in on monday to have all the checks um and then so we, we sorry we packed up everything like bags ready to go you know and we like got ourselves into the headspace that we're going to hospital and when we next come home we'll come home with with a baby yeah and then when we got there they said oh sorry only you can stay and not your husband so but and, I, and i'd had a covid test the day before there um so we said oh that's strange and they said well, well, well then you'll have it probably mid-morning tomorrow and so i said well can we just go home then and they said okay so actually oh. we just went straight home <laughs> so we had some checks and we went straight home and they said just be back 7 a.m the next day so we got an uber didn't we we jumped in an uber because we didn't want to park the car there because we knew we'd be for four, there for four days um oh and then there's this this is a good one so we arrived and this is where it is a little bit embarrassing that you can't speak the language because you should be able to but it is a hard language and i did try but we turned up and we had our papers and the, the first lady who met us at the door we were meant to go i said you know in my basic check i'm really sorry we don't speak much check we're here to have a baby and she basically in check said this is the czech republic you have to speak czech so we're really quite nervous we were like uh what do we do now but then she you know then she was fine she said okay give me your paperwork she figured out we'd already been booked in and then she was like fine and then everybody else after that it's just unfortunate that one moment we, we sort of threw us off because every other person after that moment was really lovely yeah, um, yeah you always meet and, someone you know, really, who's gonna say something right? it's a shame mm-hmm. isn't it yeah yeah but it was that one moment like oh. okay um and then basically we went in at seven and then by around quarter to 11 uh we had aldo and between that time kez mostly was with me actually yeah, yeah. mostly so like after the time you know when we had the um the the, the the dnc with the previous pregnancy i was a bit, i was a bit anxious about being in the hospital and also like i was aware that you know a, a cesarean is major surgery so so like you know in fairness like at the time like a lot of my thought was on marissa and making sure that she was going to be okay and so we were together as much as possible. The thing is, I'm also very British, so I hate making a fuss. <laughs> if someone, I, mean, I don't, don't want to, you know, like I don't want to be rude to people in authority. Yeah. So I really had to psych myself up, say, no, I want to be here, or I want to do this. But they were actually really, really nice, really supportive. And so we were together for most of the time, and you know, apart from a couple of small bits. But then they wheeled Marissa off um, to go down for surgery, and they told me to go somewhere else. And I turned up at the, the operating theatre, and they gave me a set of scrubs and and, and told me to get ready and. And then I was kind of ushered to this room that was like the outer part of the operating theatre. And I was just kind of waiting there. And I just thought, oh, well, you know, nothing can have happened, surely, because no one's come to get me. And I was, funny enough, I was texting my mother, um, just saying, oh, you know, like, I don't think it'll be for another, you know, hour or so yet. And then they opened the door and, and Marissa was on the table and she was like, they were already opening her up. Um, and so, so immediately <laughs> I was there just like talking to Marissa while they were, while, they, while they'd already started the procedure. And, and on my side in there, I was, because, you know, you read some Facebook posts and stuff, and I was like, I want my husband. Where's my husband? And actually, especially the, the pediatric um, doctor, she was amazing. She was cuddling me and hugging me, going, don't worry, he's outside. We're going to get him right away. And just that care during the procedure was so lovely. Actually, I vividly remember her just hugging me while they were prepping me. It was so nice, and it felt so safe and 
um, cared for. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, so, so basically the, the doctor, um, funnily enough, it was the same professor who we met the year previously um, carrying out our cesarean, which was very, you know, gone full circle. Um, he was super professional. There were some students in there. Um, I think because it was a very low risk, you know, uncomplicated cesarean, it, 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 everything seemed very relaxed. Um, and the moment the baby, well, actually, the just as Kez came in a few moments later, the um, the doctor asked if Kez wanted to watch. So I was there going, Kez, watch, We're like, take some pictures, take some videos. So we actually. Have... That's pretty cool. I got these pictures of the doctor with his hands inside. Wow. It's, it, it's, it's like the, the, the medicine and stuff that was, was really interesting. And Marissa was like, really wanted to see what could happen. She couldn't see anything. So I couldn't see. And the, mo the moment was the, the Aldo was born, they showed him to me. And then they literally dragged Kez. So this same pediatric doctor dragged Kez together and he went into the room and did everything or was together with Aldo and the doctor checking while, while they were... Um, and a really another funny moment is the the doctor put, or the, the professor popped his head over over to me and said, "Oh, we found a cyst in your in your in your womb. Do you want me to remove it?" I was like, "Yes, please." <laughs> so he kind of carried out some extra. I think again with the students there, and then during that period they had on this lovely music. So I was just sitting there, you know, feeling slightly sick from all the movements in my tummy, but actually, you know, it was quite you know nice if it can be somehow. Uh, yeah, I'd also say that. Like this was the same doctor, the professor um, from from when we'd had um, the, the the previous pregnancy, and uh, and on one hand, like he was really scientific, he was a really excellent doctor, but like we were worried that oh you know maybe he you know you know the, the kind of more emotional spiritual side of, of having a baby like maybe he you know wouldn't have much time for that, but but he really did. And he was very patient. They were, they, everyone was really patient and supportive in the operating theatre. You know things like um, delayed uh, clamping of the umbilical cord and stuff. Yeah. Like they listened to that, they, they took yeah. that stuff seriously. And and um, once Aldo was born, like I went with him to the room for all the checks, and then he came straight back for some time with Marissa. And um, so so that that time, like it, it felt it felt like a really nice place to be in a, in a mm. weird way, even even if your wife was having massive surgery. <laughs> yeah, but... um, yeah, and then um, and then they basically. Um... We said goodbye to each other for a, a short period and I went to intensive care for two hours um, where they just sort of checked me and I was sort of in and out of it. It was weird actually, the, the epidural, I never realised how like dead your legs feel, it was a really odd feeling but anyway so that went okay and then I didn't really know where my stuff was, I didn't really know where Kez was um, and eventually after that time then I got moved to the room and was there um and during that time he'd been asking for aldo well so so in the meantime i didn't know where marissa was and i didn't know where aldo was and i didn't really know where i was supposed to go <laughs> and i was i was in that, in that space between like the operating staff and the and the maternity staff and so they were like well go there but then they were like well and we, we were very lucky we managed to get this room mm. and they said but the room won't be ready and so i was like okay what should I do? And, and obviously COVID meant you couldn't walk in and out. And, you know, so now I'm, I'm basically a man walking around a maternity hospital on my own with no child and, and no wife. And, 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 and people texted me saying, congratulations, you know, you've had your baby. How's the baby? And I'd say, well, I don't know where he is. Um, so it was, a, it was an awkward time for, for my start of my car. Yeah. Um, but in the end, you know, I, I found the room that we were in and 
you know, the, the hospitals was great. It was a really, really nice room. I remember thinking it was like a bit like a lifeboat. And so I got there and then, um, you know, unpacked all of our bags um, uh, and then uh, there was nothing to do. So there was a TV there. So I put Netflix on <laughs> while I was waiting for Aldo and the rest of the car. But they wouldn't give him to you. They wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't give me, they wouldn't bring Aldo just to me. And uh, at the time I was like, full of a little bit of righteous indignation about it. But, but the reason is because, I don't know, maybe in, in the Czech Republic, maybe it's, it's not normal, but they wanted to make sure that I wasn't, didn't want the baby for then Marissa post major surgery to have to look after. So they wanted to make sure that Marissa was happy and that I was happy to look after the baby, mm. you know, if he was in the room with us. So basically what they did is they waited for two hours till Marissa came. And then when Marissa came, we asked for the baby and they said to Marissa, will, will your husband look after the baby? And I was like, right there. And I said, I, I really will. And and Marissa said, yeah, 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 he'll be fine. And then they brought him, and, and then we were all together. Oh, that's great. And so, was how was that immediate postpartum? Then did you guys get to stay for the four days, or or how was all that? Yeah, we stayed for the four days. Um, and after the four days, I had an ultrasound, and Aldo had all his checks, and all worked out well. And and you know what? Like, it, you wouldn't necessarily get those four days again back to the UK. But for us, it was amazing because we had nobody and to have those four days where you can, you know, ask questions. They were very good to allocate us English speaking nurses and, you know, pediatricians and all that, that sort of stuff. Um, and just be able to ask the questions and be somewhere safe that, you know, if we don't think Aldo's feeling OK, can they check or can they add, you know, what, what do we do next and these sorts of things. I think the, the only thing which was a bit of a shame is their lactation nurses. Not, they were all older and none of them spoke English so I would say we got very very little support on the lactation side in the hospital um, however later we managed to find a fantastic lactation nurse who basically helped us through but in the hospital they basically just saw I was struggling gave me shields and left me alone didn't they call you, what, what did they called your nipples pizzas or something didn't they? Like... they yeah they were quite uh <laughs> they just basically said bad and small in check to me and I understand those words and then we, we were a little bit handsy it pinched you really hard or something. Yeah. yeah and then um and then basically gave me shields yeah. so, but it worked it worked <laughs> out but that was so, so this is like this is why it was so great having Kez there because we would be well he would be reading everything we would be consulting each other on stuff if I'd had that experience and been you know, somewhere where nobody spoke English with me or I didn't have anyone to, to console in physically, mm. I think it would have been so much harder. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as you can hear, we sort of joke about it. Yeah. And, yeah. It, yeah. It was, and like, like Marissa said, I think at the time, it was like four days of parenting with a safety net because, you know, not only could we ask questions, but um, uh, there was just someone there to like, you know, give you tips or watch how we were doing stuff or, or, um, you know, just remind us to do things. And, and, and that was just, it was incredible. It was really, really, a really valuable time. Yeah, of course. Really happy time now. Of course, especially, I'm also a foreigner away from my family and it's, it is difficult to bring a baby home and not have anyone around that's your family. So that's, that's definitely sounds great. That sounds great. How was it then when you actually did uh, leave the hospital and, and when you got home? Um, gosh, it sounds, it's, feels like long ago now um I think we basically started figuring stuff out so I was 
quite adamant before we had the baby that I didn't know how we would feed. So I didn't want to buy anything yet until we got home. And I had this idea that, you know, we're in a really great place with online shopping. We can get next day delivery on anything. And it didn't quite work out. So there were some moments where we got home. I think overall we were fine. Um, the feeding, we can tell a little story. Or Kez can tell a little story in a minute about the weighing and the, the weighing of the baby when you're feeding. Um, but there were moments where you have flashbacks now and because we didn't have a sterilizer for, or we, and I didn't have a microwave for a couple of days because we didn't have a sterilizer or a microwave. There was moments where Kez at 3am had all the pots and pans on boiling everything. So he's trying to sterilize as much stuff as <laughs> during the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> so we have some of those things. We, we, we joke about it now, but like, so we got back home. And we hadn't really bought that much stuff beforehand because we thought we'd figure it out. And like Marissa said, there's, you know, we can order things in. And we know we had the essentials, we thought. Um, and then we came home and, you know, the breastfeeding at the start was harder than we'd expected. Um, but like, I, I look back on that time really fondly because obviously post cesarean, I had to do everything. And it was, it was quite a nice opportunity for, for me to kind of step up. So... So I, I, I say it with pride that like at three o'clock in the morning, I was cooking, cooking the milk bottles to sterilize them because um, it was not, you know, like we worked it out together and, and it was quite like a nice, a nice time. But then we bought a sterilizer and a microwave <laughs> and, and, and more bottles and all this kind of stuff. And, and then also, so we thought we would, we, we got home on a Friday and we thought we were doing fine. And then the pediatrician came on Monday to, to visit. And she basically said, I'm not happy with his weight. This is unacceptable. So basically, he was born 3.3 kilos. He went down to three by the time we left the hospital. And by a few days after leaving the hospital, he was still three. So he hadn't gained since he left the hospital. But it, it was still less than a week since he was born. But she wasn't happy. And so um, in the Czech Republic, I actually, I really like this. I'm going to use this for my second interview is that they, um, you, you, when you breastfeed, after you, before and after a feed, you weigh the baby so you can see how many grams they've put on, which is approximately how many milliliters they've drunk. So in the hospital, we were doing this. So just to make sure to see how, to, so before they discharge you, they want to see that your baby is taking milk from you and that there's milk, milk supply. Um, and it was, um, so we went home. And so the doctor came and said, look, I'm still not happy with the weight gain. I'm gonna leave my scales with you. Um, and then I'm going to send this lactation nurse round your house tomorrow morning. Um, and uh, there you go. So then, so then my, my job was before and after feeding to weigh the baby. And I'd, I'd weigh him. And afterwards, like, you know, it would look like he'd eaten like three or four grams. And he was supposed to be eating 30 or 40 grams. And um, so it was really stressful, 24 hours till the lactation consultant came. Um, because you know, it was so much less than he was supposed to be eating. And, you know, and then he was, you know, he was sleeping a lot, which now we all know is a blessing. But at the time, we were worried that he was sleeping because he wasn't eating enough. Um, and, you know, he was like weak with hunger or something. And then the lactation consultant came the next day and she was basically like Mary Poppins. She was really, really lovely. And she sat down with us and, you know, she talked to, she watched how Elsie fared with Marissa. And then we went to go and, went to go and weigh him and she read the scales and I said look there you go it's uh you know, it's, it's three grams again she said look it's 30 grams oh. and I looked at it like she was an idiot and I was like what do you what do you and then I'd been misreading the, the, the decimal point oh. the whole time and so 
So it turned out that a lot of our stress was missing. So I was like the night before crying my eyes out that there wasn't enough. And then this lactation consultant was like, you've got plenty of milk, it's oh. fine. And she was like a breath, she was, she's just like very like bubbly and exciting mm. and, you know, excitable person. And really she, I think the biggest thing she did was giving us confidence um, and, and motivated, you know, to try different things yeah. to, to get, to get sorted. Um, and she, she actually visited us three times in total over about a month um you know one time to help with some you know small issues another time to help remove the shields and you know within three weeks we'd removed the shields and now he's nine ten weeks and he's still eating well and yeah so it worked out really well but it you know it I think with breastfeeding nobody ever told you how difficult it is not difficult but how challenging it is to get to a point where it's comfortable and so at that first few weeks I was talking to so many friends and everybody I, you know there wasn't one friend who had an easy ride to get going in the first three weeks of breastfeeding yeah. um it, it it blew me away and then it wasn't I didn't realize this at all beforehand it was just like oh right it must just be natural. yeah but, it's know. something that that I get to talk about a lot on this podcast actually um a lot of women share with me this thing that, you know, we're supposed to be doing this because we have female bodies and we have boobs, you know, and, and it's supposed to just be natural, but everybody has a, has their own journey longer or shorter, but it's a journey to, to establishing feeding a baby because you've actually never done it before, you know? No, exactly. And your body, you know, hasn't done it before. And, you know, I think it's fascinating that by feeding your, you can then, you know, mold your breast to feed better. And so that was actually really, you know, at the beginning you're like, no way I can you know, be able to, no way they'll be able to latch on. And actually, funnily enough, two week, three weeks later, they're able to latch on. And it was, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, didn't realize how challenging that piece would yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Is there, are there any resources or anything that you guys used, anything you could recommend to other parents having a similar situation to yours? Yes. Okay. So um, there were a, a couple of books actually that um, we we um, read quite a bit. So for after the birth, so that, and we're still following it now. There's a book called Your Baby Week by Week, um, and it's by Dr. Caroline Bertelman and Simone Cave. Um, and it basically, it, as, as the book says, each week it goes through different parts of the baby, how they should be eating, how they should be sleeping. Um, and it's pretty um, casually written, like it's it's really easy to read. But then now and again, there are a few bits where they're like, if you do this, your baby will never sleep or something. You know, it, it tells you the watch outs. But in generally, it's in general, it's like you could do this or you could do that or if you want to. Do, but then it, it does tell you like the red lines in some places as well. It's not like a development checklist though, right? So it's not like your baby must be doing this by this point. It's just like more here are the things you might want to look out for that your baby might be doing and and or things you might want to consider doing with your baby mm. which, which we found really good yeah great yeah and then separately yeah so i, yeah. So I, I really like reading about the evidence behind things a lot and there's an author called emily oster who's a she's a medical economist by background or something um, and she's written two books that i really liked one's called expecting better and one's called um, crib sheet crib sheet yeah that, and so expecting better is for when you're pregnant and crib sheet is for after the baby's born and what, what she does is she reviews 
the evidence, the medical research behind certain recommendations for children, she'll say, well, this is what the research says. So there are some things that are absolute do's and don'ts, you know, don't smoke when you're pregnant, I guess. And then there are some things that, you know, you should have the evidence to interpret for yourself. And, and I found, not, not that it meant that we did anything massively different, but it, I found it really, really reassuring to know what the evidence was behind things that we were doing. Yeah, I remember, Marissa, actually, you mentioned that book to me uh, in your pregnancy, and I, I bought both of them. So I'm, I finished the Expecting Better, and I'm halfway through Crib Sheet, and it's really actually very straightforward and just debunks it a little bit. And I think it's really, yes. they're really good. Yeah, so I agree. Yes. Yeah, like for, yeah, for, for, for one example, with fish, when people say, right, fish is really good for you when you're pregnant, but what about the mercury? And she really clearly lays out a grid of different types of fish and explains, you know, you don't want fish that have eaten other fish. You don't want big fish, you want small fish. And so, so it's actually really easy to visualize, actually, these sorts of fishes, fish, they're better for you. They're not, you know, than, than the mercury offset. Right. Um, they I think they're basically our go-to books yeah to be honest absolutely and now actually I follow Emily Oster on Instagram and so she does like uh, Q&As and stuff like that so it's good oh, great that's a great resource too all right great so thank you guys so much for sharing Aldo's birth with us thank you Thanks again, Marissa and Kaz, for coming on and sharing your birth story with us here on the pod today. If you are listening in and you would like to reach out to Marissa or Kaz with any questions or anything, then do feel free to send me an email on the nine months podcast at gmail.com or visit the website nine months podcast.com where you can also read the show notes page and, and all the things that are recommended by everyone on all the episodes that we have published so far all right you guys have a wonderful week ahead and i'll see you next week